From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 432. Today's show is brought to you by Capital One, Hover, and Trade. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm pretty good, my friend. How are you? Doing okay. Uh, uh, you know, had a, had a took a trip over the weekend. I know mm. you were um, you were, you were sleeping inside a cardboard box for part of the weekend. <laughs> but now on. we're all fine. We're all better. <laughs> that, that makes it so much worse than it was. Oh, sorry. You you were sleeping inside a cardboard box inside the house that you bought. So yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. So congratulations. Thank and you. I'm glad that the boxes are mostly unpacked now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can get, I have some home automation discussions that I want to have on the show in the coming weeks. Uh, I'm re- I'm redoing all of it. Mm-hmm. We are going to dig in. This is this is great hashtag yeah. content for us. So yeah. excellent, excellent. If you've been like wondering why is Mike so focused on matter, well, <laughs> that's that's why. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about smart home. Right. That's that's been a lot of my uh, thoughts in the lo- over the last couple of months. So. Should we refer people to the analog? Because I think there's an analog episode where you talk a little bit about. Yeah, I, stuff, right? I spoke a little bit about it on location. Analog. Yeah, uh, there isn't really a definitive yet because I haven't okay. spoken about it in depth. But I had right. moved uh, when when me and Casey recorded. I'd moved the day before, and so I was that that episode is a bit like I'm kind of out of it, and I sound pretty yeah. down. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm feeling good. Everything's good. It's all fine now. Mm-hmm. I'd moved 24 hours earlier. Yeah, we didn't record our our episode last Monday because Mike was. Like, um, literally between homes at that moment. So yes. <laughs> we we were smart and pre-taped. But that means it's been 10 days since we talked, mm-hmm. so I guess we should get to it. I have a hashtag snow talk question. Comes to us via Ron, who wants to know, Jason, have you ever tried maple syrup in your tea? You know, I love maple syrup, um, but thumbs down to this idea. Okay. <laughs> I know. Mm-mm. No, thank you. Um, I have all. I have inadvertently put olive oil in my tea. <laughs> oh, how did that? How was that experience? Well, sometimes the honey and the olive oil are both out on the counter, and it's the morning, and I haven't had any tea yet. And there, there, at least one time, I think I put olive oil in the tea, and I had to dump the tea, and because nobody wants olive oil in your tea, but I don't want maple syrup in my tea. Thank you. Appreciate the question implied suggestion that maybe i should not going to i know not interested but i guess you don't put sugar in your tea right so like it makes even less sense that you would put something well no i put honey in my tea which is a thick viscous sweet thing so you could argue Uh, that maple syrup would go in there but that is not a flavor i want in my tea it would be overpowering i i might as mm -hmm. well just i don't know just drink maple syrup at that point i I don't think it'd be that bad but no yeah I, i no, thank you. If you would like to send in a question to help us open an episode of Upgrade, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk or use question mark SnellTalk in the Relay FM members' Discord. Follow-up, Jason Snell, we have some yes. follow-up. First comes from Nick, who writes in to say, as a follow-up to the last episode, my theory as to why you notice ProMotion more on smaller devices is because you are hands-on with them, expecting the screen to respond to your touch as opposed to a mouse or other input devices. Uh, Nick, I had a, a friend of mine write to me personally to say this kind of thing too, of like the idea that you've got the device in your hand and you're touching the display uh, is why, like with smaller devices like that, you may be more more likely to experience the promotion. Yeah, I think there's truth in that. I mean, the, the way Nick phrases it here is a little like smaller devices. I was trying to read that as like the smaller the device, the more you notice. And 
I don't agree with that, but I, I do agree with the idea that if it's a direct manipulation device, so an iPad or an iPhone, you're going to notice it more than if it's one level removed where you're using a pointing device or something on it. I think that's, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, Apple have issued a statement about the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro and some manufacturing slash production issues. So we spoke on the last episode when we were talking about earnings, about Apple saying that they were already unable to meet the demand of the like people's like people's demand for pro phones, right? Uh-huh. This has now gotten a lot worse. So yeah. China has a zero COVID policy, which has led to factory shutdowns in Zhengzhou. But this means that Apple is working at a severely lower manufacturing capacity. So coming from their statement, we now expect lower iPhone 14 Pro and iPhone 14 Pro Max shipments than we previously anticipated, and customers would experience longer wait times to receive their new products. So a statement like this, so they put it on their newsroom blog, and it's got like a bunch of legal stuff at the bottom. You have to issue this kind of statement if something is going to... Materially materially affect your your Mm -hmm. next quarterly earnings if you're a public Uh, company, if you know about it. Yep. You have to disclose it. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it was, but I know in in the, I can't remember off the top of my head. I've been trying to think about this all day, but this came up in, uh, I think that that, that the the book about Johnny Ive and and after Steve, there was another one of these, but I don't remember what it was where, and I know Apple's done this in the past, like something's happened. So you have to disclose it. Like it's a thing you need to say, hey, this happened, so it's going to affect us. So, What we've been talking about, like this happened with the Mac, but the Mac is not as material to Apple's business as the iPhone is. And these are the, these are the pro products. The pro products are the most popular iPhones, and they're going to have a shortfall of uh, availability for them at during peak iPhone season, which is really brutal. So they may pull it all back next uh, quarter, but I think that this is a, a a pretty severe warning sign about Apple's ability to uh, materially affect you know iPhone revenue for the next quarter. Like this is a it, this is rough. Like mm-hmm. this this is the fact that this exists at all is a bad sign. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the details of it don't really make it any. Uh, seem any better <laughs> like it only it only seems to get worse so this is this is a big deal and and we're gonna see people trying to buy iphones and find out that they're out month you know a month or two yeah yeah so that you know when we were talking on our last episode uh about our expectation that they're gonna have a storming quarter well you can you can forget about that now because <laughs> who knows what it's going to end up being like but i think yeah. it's probably safe to say ample think that this is a non-resolve potentially non-resolvable situation by the end of the quarter right? like when it matters for the holidays right. um so they feel like you probably can't get caught up and the idea here is that is that the the one the the zero covid policy means that they do shutdowns and they 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 in some cases they keep people in the mm-hmm. factory and they're quarantined and that limits the factory because even if you keep the people there you've got a limited ability to move uh, stuff through and then there are reports about people like uh, escaping out of the factory yep. and walking 100 miles 
home because they didn't want to be locked up in the factory, which, I mean, kind of makes sense. Um, but then they're also breaking the quarantine, which isn't great. So there's a lot of stuff going in here. But the bottom line is that uh, iPhone production is going to be um, severely hampered. Um, and that's just Apple is going to have to deal with that. And Matter has officially launched. So there was a big launch event for Matter uh, in uh, Amsterdam last week. Um, I'm, I'm going to put a great article uh, from Jennifer Patterson. Tuohy? Tuohy? Sorry. T-U-O-H-Y. That is a name that I have never uh, had to say before. I apologize. Um, yep. but The old JPT. Yep. OG uh, JPT. Oh, you know what it is? It's Tui because Tui JP Tui because Tui. their Twitter handle is at JP two, number two E. So Jennifer JP Patterson Tui. Tui. We, there we go. That is we're just smart. calling we're we're calling her JP Tui from now on. That's <laughs> JP just how Tui it is. at the Verge, who has done has been doing great reporting great about matter work. Yes, and this article is fantastic. It kind of talks about the entire event, a lot of the products, and basically it is what you kind of expect. Lots of companies announced new products. Lots of companies announced their kind of rollout plans. Like one of them, the big one is uh, Amazon, the Echo lines. It's going to take a while. Like they're starting on just Android and this year and just a select amount of devices that will work. But then iOS is coming next year. Um, there was, uh, what is the name of that company? That, oh, David likes Akara. They're, they're doing a, a software update to their hubs to support Thread. Um, I think it was Level Locks who's like, oh, by the way, there's been a thread radio in our products the whole time. And so <laughs> I yeah. just never told anyone. Um, and Eve are going to be supporting a bunch of this stuff, which is great. Eve, because Eve have been historically like basically just HomeKit. Right. But now because the underpinnings of Matter is HomeKit, they're now going all in on Matter and their products are going to be available to Android users for the first time. So a lot of stuff is starting to, to happen and they announced like the next set of d device types that the Matter standard is going to support. So there's a ton of stuff going on. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to take time though. It's going to yep. take time and there's going to be frustrations where there's things that are, the, the update isn't out or they're going to declare it incompatible. All that stuff's going to happen too, but I, I have high hopes that this will settle down and be um, much better than our current situation. Yep. We mentioned T earlier. Uh, if you want to hear Jason talk about T for a really long time, you can go yep. and check out uh, the latest episode of Thoroughly Considered. Uh, so Dan and Tom, they do like a on off week. So I record that show with them. We talk about product design and stuff like that. And we do that once a month. And then on the opposite mm. it's basically Fortnite. the show comes out twice a month because it's not it's not really fortnightly it's like every other episode is a okay. new thing uh called the last detail where they bring on a guest and talk about a specific product that they love and you went on to talk about your t-robot so if you want to hear jason talk about the t-robot i was listening to hour. it before uh i sat down today i haven't finished the episode yet but I'm enjoying it. Oh, very there's much. a big twist at the end. There is not a twist. <laughs> oh, well, maybe. Do, yes, I talk. If if you want to hear me explain the T robot, and they, they, talking to those guys is fascinating, right? Because they think about product design. They think deeply about product design, and so it's it was fun to get their reactions to uh, the product and and 
you know, what, what needs it fulfills. And we talked to, we ended up talking about Breville, the company a lot and the different kind of products that they make and their brand promise and what they're trying to do. Um, we, we had a moment of unexpected bonding about a particular button on a Breville toaster. That was mm. fun. Uh, so yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun episode. If you want to hear me talk about my robot and, and, uh, it's not a robot, by the way, John Syracuse, I asked him, he said, it's not a robot, uh, and never fails. There's always somebody who immediately <laughs> helpfully chimes in and says, um, I love that. I love that you're enthusiastic about this. I just put tea, uh, tea bag in a cup and boil water. And it's like, well, y- well, yeah, I, I do that too. I did that this weekend when I was traveling, but at home, I, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for the water to boil and then wait for the tea to steep and stand there while all that is going on or forget and have bad tea. I, I want to press a button and walk away. And then the tea just sits there ready, ready for me, which it did this morning, by the way. Uh, so yeah. An hour about the tea robot. I like their products. They're called mm-hmm. uh, Sage. Yeah. Ah, all the, all the Bravo branded kitchen stuff is called Sage. Yeah. Called Sage. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, good. And I have one of their coffee makers, and I love it. Mm. They make good stuff. Yeah. Why don't you just Why don't you just put Sanka in a cup and with some hot water, Mike? Why do you need a machine to make I coffee? Because I have espresso. I can't just put the espresso beans in a cup. Just yeah. <laughs> no, mash them in there. You get a mortar and a mm. pestle. You just mash those beans and then pour in water and then drink it. <laughs> It's going to be great. And while we're in the follow-out segment, don't forget there's always merchandise available. We have a selection of T-shirts that are available all times on our wonderful store, UpgradeYourWardrobe.com. There's some Upgrade Logo T-shirts. There's a Draft T-shirt and a Rumor Roundup T-shirt. You can go and get those at any time from our friends at Cotton Bureau. And if you enjoy this show and you want longer ad-free versions every single week, and access to a bunch of wonderful benefits of being a Relay FM member, like the Discord. Go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up for $5 a month or $50 a year, and you'll be helping support the show too. Thank you if you do. Let's do some rumor roundup before we move on today, Jason. Okay. All right. So, Saddle up. Got a few things. So, uh, Mark Gurman has confirmed no new Macs will be coming uh, this year. So we'll be waiting for 2023 nope. for the next M2 Max, I suppose. Yeah, there were there were a whole bunch of people who were asking me about this. They're like, really, really, is this really true? Because they're wanting to buy a MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. They're like, but there's a new MacBook Pro coming, right? And I was like, mm, well, not until next year now. So if you can hold on until early next year. You should probably hold on until early next year. So uh, I guess maybe March, maybe earlier. I guess it depends how much they've got. Yeah, German German says March because he says, "Oh, Apple traditionally doesn't do events," and and he's looking at the calendar of like when Apple traditionally does events. I don't know if I really believe that. Apple used to announce products in January all the time in MacWorld Expo period, and then even after that, still announce products in January. I think it's possible that if they've got these products and they've just decided to take their foot off the gas a little bit, it might be earlier in January. It is also possible that it could be later, but when Mark Gurman says it, he's just using the calendar. He doesn't seem to actually have sources telling him that. I think I think that we could be open to the possibility that they might be um, January or February, uh, if not, you know, if not, maybe March. Um, and that likewise, unless there's a larger story to tell, it'll probably be like the the iPad launch and be a press release kind of thing. Mark is also reporting that Apple is looking to drop the hay from the Siri trigger phrase within the next two years. Quote, and additionally, Apple has also been engineering further changes. It will integrate the voice assistant deeper into third-party apps and services and improve its ability to understand users and take the correct course of action. So this feels like a 
WWDC 23 or 24 announcement of like, we've done a brand, we've made Siri brand new and blah, blah, blah. And so they're currently testing it with a bunch of uh, Apple engineers and employees to like get some data about how often it's going to misfire, which I expect to be quite a lot. But personally, I hope that they do this, that they find a way to do this because I would le- I would like to use less syllables to invoke the assistant. Sure. The problem is that the to do this, you've got a you're increasing your chance of it misunderstanding. And I will mm-hmm. tell you, my Amazon thing uh, accidentally triggers way more than my Apple things do. Mm. Way more. Mm. Uh, and the, the, that has the you know the one word trigger instead of the. Although I guess it's the same number of syllables, right? Yeah. Um, so they're trying to get this down to a two-syllable trigger. I always wondered if there was like a minimum syllable amount, right? Like, but I don't know, right? Because like Google has theirs, right? I think they're like four syllables. Yeah. Or three. Because they have okay and hey, so you can do either. And I'd always wondered if like yeah. there was like a, if you do three syllables, you're more likely to have less of a, a error rate or something like that i think this is true i think i think that what they're trying to do here is use whatever you know machine learning and whatever else to try and get it down there in a way that also reduces i this seems i mean i'm okay with the idea of making it simpler um i think it's funny like this is not the problem with siri right <laughs> No, this is not no. the problem with Siri, but I can I can see it. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the one of the challenges that I found in uh, activations is I get a lot of lot of activations when Apple is trying to bypass this and instead use other uh, data, like you know the raise your Apple Watch and then talk thing. Mm-hmm. I accidentally activate that all the time when I happen to raise my arm and speak, and it it's decided that I'm giving a command. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really not. I'm just I just moved a body part while talking. That's all that was. But I don't know. It's it's I I like that they're pushing forward. It's just that you know the, I I think the biggest challenge with the with Apple's assistant is is. Uh, what comes out of it, <laughs> not not activation issues. Also, German pointed out in his newsletter, which I thought was really good, um, and he said he admitted it's a nerdy kind of feature request, but it would also be kind of nice if you had a little bit more of an ability to address particular devices for certain tasks, yeah. because that's the other thing that is a problem with uh, Apple's assistant is if you've got a constellation of Apple devices, which of course Apple wants you to have, uh, sometimes you end up with these mistaken activations where I'm shouting out to HomePods and my iPhone answers. Yeah. It's like not talking to you. Yeah. But how does it know? Because there's also like I know that you can you can ask like a device you can say like turn the lights off, and what it right. should do is turn the lights off in the room that you're in. But that is relying on it correctly picking up the right device first, which isn't right, right? So like I never feel confident saying that, giving that phrase in that it was going to turn off all the lights, which isn't what I want it to do. Um, so yeah, it would be good if you could like name them yourself or so, I don't know, or like give some kind of different way of naming them, like Siri Kitchen, do this. This is great news because not only does it make it harder for us not to accidentally activate, if this happens, mm-hmm. accidentally activate people's devices, um, but also uh, it, it means it's a big moment where Ahoy Telephone will simply be telephone. Just telephone. 
mm-hmm. or like telly or something like that. It's like right. you know, or ahoy. Uh, there's that only be so a new, much a trigger do. phrase. Ahoy. Because a moment ago, someone in the Discord said that I triggered the HomePod, yeah. but like I didn't actually say the words together, so I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what right? am I supposed to do about it? I feel like there's only so much I can do. Hey everybody! I hope we're having a great time talking about Siri. Shouldn't trigger anything, right? Shouldn't, but we'll find out if it does. Mm-hmm. Emily Birnbaum at Bloomberg is reporting that Apple is talking with advertising companies to show ads during the ma- their major league soccer games that they're going to yeah. be doing from next year. Um, Bloom- uh, Birnbaum is reporting that you will see these ads even if you're a paying subscriber. Yeah, it'll be across all of their, their free and paid uh, versions of MLS because there will be free and paid versions um, there'll be ones that are in the MLS package. There'll be ones that'll be available to all Apple TV plus subscribers. And there'll be ones that are available to everyone. There'll be three tiers for this thing. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, I, I was going to say maybe if there's an Apple TV plus with ads tier at some point, but I think that wouldn't actually affect how they're doing MLS. So major league baseball, what they're doing is they've got MLB network is selling the ads and producing the show for them there right and so there are ads on their baseball um games but they are someone else is selling those ads and there's probably a rev share and all of that but someone else the major league baseball whoever is producing that if that's i I think that's inside an mlb i think they've got their own sales force and they're not using like some other company to do it but and i wonder if in the long run this might be a change or whether that's a condition of apple's deal you know whether apple can come in and say we want we want to sell these ads now so you guys get out or not but for Major League Soccer, they are building an infrastructure to sell these TV ads and place them in Major League Soccer. And this is a, a I would so this is the guy, the vice president of of advertising at Apple that we've been talking about in a lot of other contexts. This one to me, on one level, feels the most natural, which is television is built around ads, <laughs> and uh, so having ads on television sort of makes sense. I will point out that soccer is actually notoriously one of the hardest sports to advertise. Um, because it doesn't have breaks, <laughs> uh, you know, ma- baseball and football have breaks. Uh, soccer doesn't have breaks. There's just one big one in the middle, but you can't do like 20 minutes of ads. Right. And so like in American commercial broadcasters, they do things like drop uh, logos onto the screen uh, while the match is going on and stuff like that. But it's not quite the same as running a commercial. I think it's interesting. Like I- I've definitely seen pushback who says uh, if I'm paying for... Uh, Apple TV Plus, it's too bad that I'll see ads. And I can see that. I, I feel like Apple TV Plus is not currently being sold as an ad-free product per se, right? It's just yep. you pay and you get access to the videos. But down the road here, I wonder if we'll get in a scenario where there is, uh, like there is for almost every other streamer now, including Netflix now, a cheaper Apple TV tier with ads. Yeah. And if that's the case, then I get a little more grumpy about the fact that if I'm paying for the version without ads, you're still potentially burning the ads in. But, you know, it's incremental revenue. They spent a lot of money on this MLS deal and they want to make um, make that money back in a few different ways. And so, yeah, so get get ready. This is also interesting to me because this is a co-production with MLS. I think MLS is doing the video production work, but it shows you some progression on Apple's part in terms of what they want to do with sports and I don't know whether in the long run Apple would, I don't think Apple's going to set up its own sports video production group, but having them be more hands-on in the product, I think is fundamentally a good thing because I, I'm disappointed by how the Major League Baseball stuff was 
really just an MLB Network game with uh, new labels on it. Uh, for the most part, they have a few new graphics and stuff. I would expect they will, because you know if they're doing baseball and soccer, and if they get Sunday Ticket, like they're going to need a team of people to oversee that. I don't. I don't think they necessarily will. I mean, MLS, like, because soccer is not baseball. Football, the the Sunday Ticket thing is totally different because they're using the feeds from the networks. They aren't producing their own games there at all. But wouldn't they do their own like? analysis shows or something well they they do and that's that's where i think the innovation will be uh, we were talking about this on on downstream the other week and um somebody wrote in to say you didn't mention that sunday ticket has its own red zone channel and i was like i think i did but but i used to get that red zone channel and that is the channel where so there are two of them. DirecTV has a Red Zone channel. Red Zone channel is I, I'm a host and I show you all the games when interesting things are happening. So you can tune in on Sunday Ticket to a particular game or you can just watch the Red Zone. There is also a Red Zone channel that people who don't have Sunday Ticket can get. It's a different channel with a different host doing the same thing. And that seems weird. They're both NFL Network employees. Why are there two of them? And the answer is that the DirecTV one is integrated into Sunday Ticket, where he'll be like, that's on channel 782, right? Whereas the guy on the NFL Network doesn't say any of that because there is no integration. You can't tune it to that game if you want to watch it. And I think about Apple getting Sunday Ticket, or Amazon, honestly, and think, well, there's a real app opportunity here, right? Where you could have like the guy... And he could be like showing you the games and and the games would be maybe even interactive tiles where you could actually then just like click on the game. DirecTV did this years ago um, and kind of badly because their hardware platform isn't very good. But they had the ability to do that where they'd be like, oh, and look, look over there. This one's going on. And you can just literally click and, and, and switch to it or switch to its audio but keep the guy up like you, it's an interactive experience. It's actually kind of interesting. So they could they could innovate there. But in the in the nuts and bolts of production of like baseball games where you've got to use the 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 local cameraman you've got to have a truck and you've got to have all this stuff going on right uh having a having mlb network be your partner for that is probably a good idea just because you know it's a very specialized sort of thing there are rumors that apple or amazon is going to buy in to college football as well that would be a case where they'd need to uh get somebody to produce those games um, but like one of the net, one of the conferences that's out there that is the, the one that is currently looking for TV partners is the Pac-12 conference. And they currently have a cable network that produces games. So presumably that's the same sort of thing where Apple or Amazon would come in and say, yes, you you conference, you make the games for us. Right? Maybe we'll sell the ads, but you make the games for us. So where they draw those lines is going to be interesting. But it, what's interesting here is that Apple is drawing a line in a different place than they drew it for Major League Baseball, which I think happened so early in their process that they weren't really ready to step in and say, uh, we'll sell the ads. So Major League yeah. Baseball, you sell those ads and roll them in there. And for MLS, they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to do it. We're going to sell the ads. We're going to take, we're not going to have a, a middleman taking a percentage of the ad share. It'll be them, presumably. I don't know. Maybe they'll split it with MLS or maybe they get to keep it all because they're paying MLS. I don't know. This episode is brought to you by Capital One. Have you ever hit a technical snafu while shopping online? Have filling out payment fields given you a headache? Or has a mobile banking app ever been down when you wanted to use it? Capital One believes everybody deserves better banking, and this means easier access to money and more security. That is why Capital One is investing in machine learning. 
Machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud of random forests. These are models that quickly detect suspicious activity to make it faster to alert federal investigators. They ad- and they identify how mobile app outages happen with causal models. Keeping their mobile app up and running doesn't happen by accident. Anomaly detection and incident response help determine why app outages happen so engineers can remedy them quickly. Capital One speed up online shopping with machine learning at the edge. This makes shopping with virtual card numbers smoother and more secure. This technology is based on what's called logistic regression models and with running inference in the browser. It identifies payment fields, and this makes help uh, using those virtual card numbers easier and faster, which is great for everybody. The potential of machine learning is so big. See how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking. Search machine learning at Capital One. Capital One, what's in your wallet? So you wrote an article uh, over at Macworld about Apple's kind of rising prices. Would you like to uh, give an overview of what you're thinking about here? Yeah, it was something that just hit me from the analyst call. And I I was going to write it up. You know, I write up a post-analyst call piece for Macworld. And I had it in there and I was like, no, no, there's too much here. I'm going to save this one, write it up next week. And the idea was, okay, you know, Apple stuff is not cheap. Apple's not the low price leader. <laughs> they, they, they start up at a higher level. I think they provide pretty good value at those levels, but they're definitely uh, not looking to make the cheapest thing possible. And we had that rumor item the other week about that plastic iPad, and they're like, mm. they we're not going to make that. So what, what I wonder, and what we've seen as like the MacBook Pro got more expensive. I mean, the Mac Pro originally got more expensive. The MacBook Pro got more expensive. Um, the iPad Pro got more expensive. We've seen like the MacBook Air and the iPad come out with a new version while keeping the old version in the price list because the new version's more expensive. This kind of elevation of Apple's prices. And I've thought for a while now, like, well, how would you know if you're Apple? whether consumers will accept higher prices. How do you know what the availability of like price increases is in terms of how it dictates, how how it results in sales? How do you do that? You can't, you know, you don't really want to test it. But if you're Apple, if you're somebody inside Apple, you're probably like, we could sell this for more and it would still sell, which may be what you're seeing with things like, well, let's sell this MacBook Air M2 version for more than $9.99 and we'll just keep the old one around and people will want the new one and boom, you've just made an extra two or $300 on that thing. Okay. Well, the strong dollar has allowed Apple to treat the rest of the world as a lab to test this theory. And they made a statement about it in the call that the result was that outside the US, Apple products were priced higher And they were delighted to discover that they still sold really well. And I had that moment where I just thought, oh, no, (laughs) somebody told them they can raise their prices and people will still buy their products. And if we know anything from Apple is that it doesn't really want to leave money on the table. This is something that I feel like philosophically has actually been going on for a while. But I think it's fascinating to see a situation where uh, you have the strong dollar leading to Apple products being, as you know, living in the UK, being way more expensive in other countries than in the US. And yet they still talk about growth and demand and are thrilled with the response, um, including in emerging markets where their sales are growing a lot. 
and that gave me this thought, which is, this is kind of like the classic, I, I believe the economic term is inelastic demand, the idea that that instead of the classic demand, which is you raise prices and demand goes down, this is you raise prices and demand doesn't change. <laughs> and if you're if that's the case, as a business person, you raise prices, right? <laughs> like if, 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 if I can sell a thousand of these for a hundred dollars and I can sell a thousand of these for two hundred dollars, I'm going to sell them for $200, right? That's the idea there. So I, I I thought it was an interesting, like, I'm sure this has been a data point inside Apple for a long time now, but I thought it was the first time that I felt like they really, uh, at least to my ear, said it out loud in the context of the strong dollar, allowing them to, uh, or or you could argue forcing them to raise the prices elsewhere because they don't want to give back their profit margins in foreign exchange, but having th- just the delight that Luca Maestri had when he said, um, and, and it's gone really well, right? <laughs> like, I, I, like he's very excited about it. And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh no. <laughs> okay. Somebody told them that they can raise their prices. Um, and we know that that means they will. And and they are, I mean, they have been the, the whole idea that it used to be, they would not release a new MacBook air. I would say, uh, they would try real hard to not release a new MacBook Air until they could hit the price slot, the previous price slot. Mm-hmm. And now they don't. <laughs> now they're like, no, this one's just more expensive and you can still buy the old one at the old price slot. And that's a difference for them. So I don't know how you feel as somebody who's on the outside, who's somebody who's in the lab yeah. as Apple raises prices. I mean, I, I'm frustrated about it because, you know, because we've spoken about before, prices were just higher here anyway. Like, and they kind mm-hmm. of always have been. Always have been. I remember when I worked at Mac user, I used to get uh, letters from people in Australia who were very, very angry about how expensive everything was in Australia. And that was like the late 90s, right? Yeah. Or they, and it's been that way in many markets that Apple stuff is just so much more expensive than it is in the US. And that is even taken into account sales taxes, right? So like in the UK, our sales tax is called VAT, it's value added tax. And it's at the moment is twenty percent. It vary it's varied over time, but at the moment it's twenty percent. And it's included in the sales price. Like I know in some places in America at least this was a big shock for me the first time that I went to America where they did this. Like you see the price and then tax is added on at the end and like you yes. have to kind of work that out on your own in some states, mm-hmm. which I just think is like a wild thing to do if the tax rate is a fixed rate, why not just anyway. Um so I know. You know, and so, but even in a lot of cases, this was the case before the recent currency fluctuation stuff. You take twenty percent off the price, you're still way over the dollar price, like the converted pound to dollar price. Apple have done this for a really long time, and you know, as we spoke about before, they will say, and maybe this is the case, that some of it is to um, kind of mitigate any of this, you know, these these kind of currency swings. But I think a lot of it is just like, what will the local market pay right i think is a lot mm-hmm. is is a lot of it and like some yeah. one of the things i've always kind of said is like even though the pound and the dollar have different values a lot of the time our economies are pretty similar right so what is a dollar is basically a pound and like people just think of it that way right so it's you know if something costs a thousand dollars it can cost a thousand pounds and people are kind of like fine with that even if a thousand pounds is fifteen hundred dollars if you actually did the conversion right because it's usually that the the um the pound is um more the exchange rate is you you end up paying more in pounds than you would in dollars right yeah yeah so like 
it you know it's usually like one point five dollars to a pound or whatever. I mean, and it's it's much lower at the moment. Right. It has it has been as much as two to one, and yep, and, I remember and that. Recently, at one point, it was one to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so basically. it's really fluctuated between double and 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 parity. And right now, it's a pound is about a dollar fifteen. Mm-hmm. Like right now, the iPhone fourteen. Is I'm just bringing it up. It starts at seven hundred ninety nine dollars. That's before trade in, right? So it's seven ninety nine, or eight hundred and forty nine pounds is the starting mm-hmm. price, and eight hundred and forty nine pounds is nine hundred seventy six dollars. Six dollars, yeah. So the iPhone fourteen is nearly two hundred dollars more expensive in the UK than it is in the US. Right now. There one reason that Apple does this is that they price in they price in uh, additional price so that if there is a major foreign exchange change, they don't end up losing money mm-hmm. without without repricing. Mm-hmm. Um, which because that's the other way you could do it is you could be continually repricing. And today the iPhone is this, but in two months the iPhone has a different price. And they try they generally don't do it at that at that kind of a pace. But um, so what they end up doing is they're saying, well, we're, we don't want that to happen. So we're going to make this uh, this uh, 849 iPhone um, $975. And that, that is going to cover us even if there's a major fluctuation in the exchange rate. Yeah. I think at the moment, I don't know, it bounces around a lot, right? I think maybe with the sales tax, it's pretty close right now. But nevertheless, it's like, it's expensive. The thing that I wanted to get to with this is because I, I agree with everything you're saying. They keep they continue to keep pushing this, but this put me down a different kind of route today when I was thinking about this for the show. I was thinking of Kindle with ads, right? So yeah, I mean, do you mean special offers? Is that what they call it now? They special offers is what they call it. Okay, yep. but this is the Kindle. There is a version of the Kindle. Can you still get this? Like, is this the thing that Amazon still sells? They this still- is the this is the base model model okay. of Kindle. Every Kindle starts with special offers, and then, and then you, you can pay. either buy it for more or unlock it and turn it off by paying twenty dollars. I think right. it is afterward. So they basically cut twenty dollars. It allows them to sell that one ninety nine Kindle for one seventy nine with special offers, um, and then it's twenty to turn it off or whatever. <laughs> Joe Steele in the chat is killing me right now. iPad with magic offers. iPad with iPad smart offers. Pro with smart offers, smart offers folio, which <laughs> is a, literally a cover that has an ad on it, but you, you can pay them and peel it off. Peel it off. Right, but I was mm-hmm. thinking about this, right? So like, can Amazon have sold this product forever as a slight discount, right? If you're willing to have an ad, I assume for other books and or Amazon products on the front of your Kindle, which is just genius, right? Because it's an e-ink display, right? It's connected to the internet. You can just push a ad to it and it's yeah. just going to sit there, right? And sits there, right? Because when it's off, the screen is on. And yep. so there's an ad on the screen Always. when you're not using your mm-hmm. Kindle. The ad, yeah. And better, better you, now you may be saying to yourself, this is one of my favorite little features of this, but Jason, they make Kindle uh, cases with covers. Doesn't that remove the value of the ad? Guess what Amazon does? Amazon, if you have the special offers version, when you open the cover, it doesn't wake up. It makes you press the button so that you have to see the ad when you open the cover. If you turn, if you buy out of special offers, when you open the cover, it just turns on the Kindle, but it won't do that if you've got special offers because they want you to see the ad. 
So the reason I started thinking about this is like for what we've been talking about in the past couple of weeks and in the Rumor Roundup segment of like Apple and ads, right? Yeah. We were talking about it in the App Store. There have been rumors for a long time that they're going to bring start bringing ads to maps. They're going to bring ads to podcasts. They're going to bring ads to books, right? Right. And mostly the rumors are like in in the apps, right? Like yeah. they're not going to... They're not going to roll a, a an Apple pre-roll ad in front of your podcast, probably. But on the podcast who page, um, who, well, who knows? But on the podcast page, they may have um, the ability for people with podcasts to advertise their podcast. Like, I mean, Overcast does that, right? Mm-hmm. Like th- that they might start doing that too, where there's a revenue opportunity to me- be made app store style in dropping ads inside of the podcast app interface. But, you know, you're saying about the pre-roll audio ad, what they're going to start doing... Apple TV ads, maybe they would do Apple Podcast ads at some point. If it's what Spot, it's one of the ways Spotify makes money. It's on the free plan. So what this got to me to thinking is Apple is clearly continuing to add more and more ads, which is like just a thing that I find funny as they continue to increase prices. But it did make me wonder that like, what if they just add, they continue to put all of these ads into all the different apps that they make. And then all of a sudden one day say, hey, if you have iCloud Plus, we get rid of those. Maybe, although... So here's here here's the the challenge there. Mm-hmm. As you know, I look. Um, this is one way you can do a premium product is have ad removal as part of it. So uh, upgrade plus is available. Yep, no ads mm-hmm. and extra content. It's mm-hmm. not just no ads. We did a thing at MacWorld where um, you could pay and and the ads would go away and you got some other stuff too. Same thing. Um, it's an interesting approach. I think a lot of people would say what actually uh, the guy who ran IDG for all those years said to me about the Macworld plan, which was, well, you know, why not, why not take their money and show them ads? <laughs> it's like, then we make more money. And that's why that guy made a lot of money. Um, and this is, this is the argument, right? Is on one level, you've got an ad business. And if you allow people to pay to not see the ads, there is an argument that, you're degrading your ad business. I, I think they're. I think they can handle it. I think they're. They're. They're tough enough that your your ad people will be able to explain that. That we. I mean, in, in streaming media, we we've seen that ad tier, ad free tier. Those are all. They all coexist. It's fine. But there is that counter argument that that um, why is your status as a paying customer. Um, why does that fundamentally mean you never see any ads? Because in the old days, you would buy a magazine and it would have ads in it. They, you know, they didn't. They didn't just give away. I mean, there were there were some magazines that got given away for free uh, in order to do the ads and newspapers and all that. But there was not a, like the ad free version. Like, oh, you, we can't mix paying customers with ads. That's not a thing that we can do. Well, you can do it. So I think they could do it. But you're right. It is an interesting approach. Um, I would feel I would feel kind of disturbed if Apple started dropping ads everywhere and said, but if you pay us, <laughs> because then, yeah, you're right, it's iPhone with special offers at that point. If you pay us, then you don't see the ads. Apple will also make the argument for something like Maps that is even more so, I think, than the ad- argument they make for the App Store, which is, but ads are content. We're, we're, we're allowing people to find you know relevant things uh, from the ads. The ads can be helpful, too. And like theoretically, they can. They, often they aren't, but theoretically they can be. So I don't know. I I, I feel like if Apple's going to go to the trouble of putting ads in podcasts and maps, that they probably will just put them there, and not offer anybody a a way to sort of extort them to turn off 
ads by giving them money directly. Um, although, you know, I think a lot of people would love that, right? Because they don't want to see ads. But like, if you're going to put them in there, you can put you, you put them. More people will see them if you don't limit it to people who aren't paying for iCloud Plus. But then I go back to the idea of the special offers thing, which is like you get a bit of a discount for seeing Amazon's ads, <laughs> right? And you don't yep. get any discount for seeing Apple's ads at the moment. Well, that yeah, yeah, exactly. It's true. Also, I'll point out like I don't know. It's been a while since I used a Kindle with special offers. I just buy it with that stuff turned off now, but. Um, Back in the day, the other argument for special offers was that they actually were special and that you there were good deals on that ad <laughs> and that it you were actually kind of motivated. They, at least for a while, Amazon seemed to make the effort to make the ad worth looking at. Right. Um, because like somebody pointed out at one point, I think Dan Frakes told me about there was a Kindle special offer that was like you could get... I don't know whether it was an Apple Apple gift card or whether it was an Amazon gift card. I think it might have been an Apple gift card, but it was basically one of these things where it was spend $40 for $50 in credit or something like that. And that's literally the special offers were saying, we will give you $10 if you commit to spending $40. It's like, well, that's that's actually a pretty good deal. And if I turned off special offers, I'd miss it. So like, you can make them valuable, but I think they probably wouldn't do anything like that. I, I assume maybe this is us being cynical here, sitting here, but like... We know what the situation is with ads in the app store. I have a hard time believing they would be a cut above in like yes. the podcast app. Mm-hmm. Maps, if they could do the relevance right, like I could see it because Google, I think, does some of that. You know, the problem with ad placements is then you don't know what the most relevant thing is because a good relevancy um, algorithm is at cross purposes. This is the problem in the app store, right? Yeah. Like a, if search is really, really good and customized suggestions are really, really good, it makes the apps, the app advertising less yes. helpful or relevant because you would never look at it because the algorithm has done such a great job. And, and, and so, you know, is maps going to get worse if there are ads in it? Because like, why would we make this better <laughs> when we want to have people drawn to the ad unit? Well, but then you end up in a situation like I think with stuff like Google, right? And I think it's honestly with like the App Store search ads where it ends up just being a case that the best stuff yeah. pays the most money to advertise anyway because they have to. And mm-hmm. so it kind of comes out. But if they did, they don't, well, then they're going to lose the placement. So yeah, you end it's up It's extortionate with... in, in, in effect. Uh, and just let's back up. You mentioned Google. Uh-huh. Let's back up a moment here because I'm not... I'm not against advertising, right? Our podcasts really? have advertising. Yeah. My my uh, you know, Your my website. website has advertising. My old magazine took advertising. Like, I'm not I'm not opposed to advertising. I think that there are bad ads and good ads and I I have a I understand that people don't love ads and I hear from a lot of people who are basically allergic to ads like I never want to see an ad anywhere ever. Like, okay. I mean, I think that's not realistic. For $5 a month, just go to getupgradeplus.com, you know what there I you mean? Go. No ads, you're good. But I also can appreciate that there, as I said about the special offers, there can be good ads and bad ads. Back in the day in the 90s when I read magazines, paper magazines, some of the ads were junk and some of the ads were good. <laughs> and like there can be good advertising. But I, so I, I'm using that as a preface because I think it's very easy to hear us talk about advertising and think, oh, yeah, people just hate advertising, but it's not realistic. And But I will say this, which is the moment you start comparing as you did Google and what it offers to what Apple offers, 
I think we have a problem because Google is an ad company. Google makes money from advertising. Apple's great differentiator is that it's not an ad company. And so I think fundamentally, this goes back to what we talked about last week, you lose part of the Apple brand promise if suddenly Apple is also putting ads everywhere. Because one, part of the Apple brand promise is it's not Google, it's not an ad company, and it's not going to litter everything you're doing with ads because that's the only way it really makes money. And second, Google's always going to be better at it than you, right? Google's always going to be better it at advertising be. than Apple. That's their business. Yeah. It, fight me. Uh, right? Like, <laughs> Google, Google is the supreme advertising yeah. entity in the universe, as far as we know, mm-hmm. right? There may be a black hole out there somewhere that's got a, an ad on it, and I want to meet whoever sold that ad. But on our planet, Google is it, right? So Apple's never gonna Apple's never gonna match up. They're never gonna match up, and they're gonna lose what makes Apple unique versus its competition. <laughs> so why would you go down that path? Like I, th- I just think it's fraught with peril that they're gonna end up being a second-rate Google offering a second-rate uh, service, and at that point, it's like one less reason to get an iPhone. Hmm. Anyway, this is uh, if you're listening to this, it's upgrade with special offers. <laughs> <laughs> i i admire i admire amazon for that right like i, I just That's i love great. that phrasing it's so it's so yeah. orwellian in a way yeah. and yet it's kind of kind of hilarious yeah. the uh it's special offers it's, special. A, it's, a, it's what you, special what you do is there's an ad you can't not see <laughs> i didn't know that they did that with the covers by the way that is... it's amazing because their two big ad spots are on the interface, not mm-hmm. in the, not when you're reading a book. There's no ads when you read a book, but on the interface where you have your list of books, there's an ad, and then there's on the on that lock screen. And if your cover is covering the lock screen, you know somebody was like, "Oh no, can we not make covers?" And somebody's like, "Oh, I got an idea. <laughs> what if we make the covers with the little magnets so they turn on and they're really great? And then if they have special offers, they don't turn on. How about that?" Fantastic. Where they turn on, but they're in a mode where they light up, but it doesn't move and you have to swipe. I think that might be what it is now. Yeah. But like, you have to make an extra gesture to get away from the ad because like, we got to show them the ad, folks. I mean, sorry, we got to show them their the special, special offers. <laughs> One of the special offers of this episode is brought Ooh. to you by our friends over at Hover. Have you ever thought about starting your own business, creating a brand, or sharing your wealth of knowledge with the world? What about using your years of experience to create something for yourself? Hover wants to help you take that first step in getting your ideas off the ground. If you have a brand that you've always dreamt of building or a business that you want to start and take online, the first step is finding the perfect domain name. And Hover makes this incredibly simple with a clear and straightforward user experience, really easy to use tools, and truly amazing support from friendly humans. It is never too late to step up to the plate and share what you have to offer. Getting online has helped thousands of people around the world reach new heights with their businesses. And of course, like, look, you have to, right? Like, if you want to start a business, you have to have a good website. You have to have a web presence. And therefore, you need a great domain name. And trust me, Hover has the tools. They have the functionality. They have the support. I have been a Hover customer for over 10 years. So every domain that I have is with Hover because they make it so simple. They make it really easy to do. One of the things that I love is that they email you days before you ever like going to have a re- like a renewal coming up. 
so you know whether you want to keep it or not. Like, it's just little things like that. They could, they without, well within their rights, like, to just send me an email and be like, hey, it's renewed, right? Because in theory, it should be my responsibility to keep track of that. But no, Hover are good people. So they send you an email and they're like, hey, this is going to come up for renewal. Do you, what do you want to do about that? Wonderful. In addition to all of the classics like .com, you can get extensions like .shop, .tech, .art, and over 400 more that you'll be able to choose from. So you'll be able to find the perfect domain name for your business, one that is memorable, relevant, and boosts your brand. You can buy a domain, set up custom email boxes, just point it to your website in just a few clicks. And if you ever run into trouble, help is just a phone call or chat away. Secure, simple, and reliable, Hover, Hover is trusted and a popular choice amongst millions of people launching any kind of brand or business. If you're ready to get your idea off the ground with the perfect domain name, go to hover.com upgrade and you will get 10% off your first Hover purchase. That is hover.com upgrade for 10% off. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. That was a special offer. It sure was. There was a couple of articles going up on Six Colors. Uh, one yep. from I do you, publish things there. Yeah. One, but about the same thing, which is that's uh, yes, a rarity. That's true. One from you that's and true. one from previously mentioned in this episode, Joe Steele, friend of the show, yep. about something that Apple appears to be testing with some changes to the Watch Now tab of the TV app on Apple TV. And with this change, when you now open the TV app, I've tried this, by the way, and it's not on my Apple TV. When you open the TV app, there is a dedicated row for featured content. I think it's in the beta. I think it's only showing in the in beta 16 version. In 16.2? I'm not 100% okay. of that. Yet. I don't run the beta of TVOS, even though I'm a TVOS no. guy. But even though you're on the cutting edge, I know. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I'm a big TV user. I don't want to mess up my TV with beta. I see. Okay, so with right. this change, when you open a TV app, oh, instead of wait seeing... a second. Imagine if you were on the beta and you saw beta episodes of TV shows. What now, about that? Would then? Be cool. That would right? be I would like, do that. Like, like the, no special effects and just people in front of a green screen, but you could try them out like like in advance because we're beta testing the shows. Aren't some of the screeners kind of like that a little bit though? They, no, that's exactly what they are. Yeah. Don't, don't like the plot of this episode? You know, file a feedback. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. No, it's no problem. So I just was, you know, the idea you of just get too excited. Extra betas inside be- TV betas. Yeah, full okay. of tea. Yeah. So the, when you open oh. the TV app now on the Apple TV you know, on the beta, if you see instead of the up next queue, it shows you like these are the shows you're watching. There are new episodes, and it's it's like brought in, aggregated from all of the apps that sign like sign up with Apple to be in the TV app, right? So right. not Netflix, not Netflix. Yeah. Instead of this carousel that would show you the content that you choose to watch, this has now been demoted to the second level. So it's small tiles now, not the big tiles. And the big tiles all feature, hey, why don't you watch this? Is it all Apple TV content? No, it's not. It's okay. it's, it's curated from across all of the things that are on Apple TV, uh, the, the OS, on different apps. So it'll be like, hey, you could get HBO Max and watch The White Lotus. For example, okay, that's the that's the big banner that's up there right now, which is interesting. Uh, but this is the pro- so what happened is the up next view is now below the fold. Basically, there's a giant uh, image, and then there's a set of tiles of featured items that is basically for everybody. Everybody sees the same featured items. It's somebody's curating it somewhere. It's not algorithmically generated just for you. In fact, it knows nothing about what you subscribe to, or what you've seen already, or what you might be currently watching. It just shows. Uh, some stuff that somebody in an office somewhere picked. 
and then you have to scroll down mm. to the part that isn't even visible <laughs> to see your up next cue, which is literally everything that you've been watching and what the next episode is or something you stopped halfway through. And I use that feature every day. I do. I, I watch all my TV on the Apple TV. Yep. And I use that feature every day. In fact, my opinion when this feature came out, and I'm sure you could go back and find it in this very podcast, was this thing's not going to work because it doesn't have Netflix in it. Yep. We, we both said that, I think. Right. And the, the net result is it is such a good feature that I use it and I forget that I'm watching things on Netflix. Yep. We are in the exact same boat, right? Yeah. Like I so it, check just Netflix, dumb for Netflix. now. I check it way less than yeah. I used to. And this is on Netflix. All Netflix has to do is agree to be on this thing, but it's like, no, no. And it's on some other boxes, but not on the Apple TV. They're like, no, no, no. We're not going to share any information with Apple about this. Um, so I use it all the time. And now basically Apple is is seems to be saying in this beta, um, yeah, what you want to watch isn't that important. Um, what we want to do is show you this list. And that, like, I have so many reasons why I think this is bad. Mm-hmm. Number one is it prioritizes them over me. I would also say related to that is this is a thing to, uh, the idea is to provide discovery. Did you know the White Lotus came back, right? Like that's season two of a show that was very popular, well-reviewed, people watched it. Did you know that season two is there? Well, first off, if I really watched White Lotus and liked it, it would be in my up next queue and it yeah. would have popped up and yeah. said, hey, White Lotus yeah. is back. But I still, discovery can be valuable that's for what the up shows next you don't know about does, or watch. By the way, right? Like yeah. if, if you've watched a show before and a new season comes up, like it will show you that even though you're not like, act that show like hasn't been like actively watched by you because yeah. there's been a season break. Because it's in, it's in your up next. And yeah. so it will now show it to you because there's a new episode. So I, I don't disagree that discovery is, like dis- discovery is important. Let's, mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Discovery is important. However, to prioritize discovery, which I use sometimes, over the up next queue, which I use all the time, yep. I think is user hostile. I think it's Apple saying, um, don't watch what you want to watch. Watch what we want you to watch. And like, I want to choose to go into discovery mode, but up next is the thing that matters to me. So that bothers me. Um, and I wrote about that. I have a question for you. That, that, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but so you've kind of got two places where up next shows, right? You've got the home screen of the Apple TV if you use the Apple TV that way. And if you set the setting to show yeah. up next, yes. Yeah. Do you it's know? It's bigger tiles and there are not as many of them, but yes. Because yeah. that's how I use it. Do, do you okay, know if I, it shows I use it in the TV there? app. Okay, use it in the TV app. I use it in the TV app. And I think that they will keep that, you know, out if you're out on the like app list and you move and, and TV app is at the top level and you move mm-hmm. your cursor over the TV app, it will then show a bunch of big tiles above that show you your uh, stuff. However, you can't, all you can do is sort of launch into them from there. You can't like mark it as played if it's no. like a Marvel show that's got five minutes of credits. It shows as still you're still watching it because you haven't watched yeah. all the credits about who translated it into French um, <laughs> and Turkish. I think Turkish is always last in that. I always think that was that's kind of funny. So yeah, you can you can do it from there. It's more limited in the TV app. You have a lot more. You can remove the show from up next. You can mark it as watched. You can do all sorts of stuff from it. Also, before I get to to Joe's point, which I think is a good one, I should say the battle between featured and what I want to watch has been going on a long time because most of the streaming apps have downgraded what you are watching on their service uh, below featured items mm-hmm. for a while now, right? And that's a lot of feedback I got when I wrote about this. Is but but Hulu does that, and Disney does that, and Netflix does that, and so like why shouldn't Apple do that? 
and I actually heard I, I have a Twitter follower who is the who is a, a I think head of product at Peacock. <laughs> I'm like, wow, yeah. okay, uh, very impressed. And what I said to her was, the difference is this isn't the Apple TV Plus app, right? Exactly. On the Apple TV on TVOS, it's a platform app, and the whole purpose of it is to showcase what's available on the whole platform. And I think that means the bar is higher for giving the users and like first off this feature is like this is this is the in my mind best feature of tvos literally mm-hmm. the best mm-hmm. because it is watching my viewing habits everywhere rolling them together and i can get a list of like hey did like i was talking to lauren about this last week and i i said uh, do you know what day the peripheral comes out and she's like no and I say, do you know what streaming service is on? She's like, no. <laughs> like, well, it's whatever. It's like Wednesday night at nine on on Prime Video. But the fact is, we don't need to know. We go to Up Next. And at yeah. nine o'clock on Wednesday, yeah. a little tile comes up and says, the new episode of The Peripheral is here. And you click it and you watch it. And it doesn't matter what app it's in or anything. It is the best feature of tvOS. And so for Apple to say, well, we're going to be like all those streaming apps and downgrade this and make you have to go find it. Because what's more important to us is that you wander through you know, featured stuff and we want to, you know, essentially advertise uh, all the other services that are on the platform. So I, I, I admit that this is a trend. I think it's a bad trend. I hate going to Netflix and not being able to find the uh, so episode many, of the Great British Bake Off like I was down. watching yesterday. Like, why do they make it like three levels down? It's never the same one either. Like sometimes it's the next time. Sometimes it's three. Like I know why they're doing it. But I don't want that. But yeah, because they've hooked you on that show and they yeah. want to hook you on other shows and that's yeah. their priority. And it's user ho- it's user hostile. And I don't like it. But I think that it's even more user hostile when you're the platform vendor, which in the case of the TV app on tvOS, Apple is. The other point, and this is the point that Joe Steele made, I, I think, so well, is not only is this uh, user hostile, but the implementation is poor. Uh, and this is this is the other part of it is, it's not an algorithmically generated list of shows you might like. It's something somewhere, and I actually have a friend who does this for another platform who curates a movies list, right? Like it's somebody in an office somewhere picking shows to be on that carousel. It doesn't adapt to what you've already seen. It doesn't know stuff you're already watching. And that's that's just as offensive <laughs> as yeah, moving yeah, the up yeah. next down is that it's also not a smart list. Like... If an algorithm said, hey, you know, I know what you're watching over here. This show is for you. And it just came back. I would be like, okay, you know, I see what you're trying here. But instead, what you end up with is a featured carousel that features like stuff you've already seen. Mm. And it doesn't say you've seen it. It doesn't hide it. It It knows that theoretically it knows that the next row down is that tile on the up next list with the next episode. But does it do anything to show that in that top level? No, it doesn't. It doesn't bother. It's just the same for everybody, everywhere, no matter what they've watched or who they are. It's dumb and lazy and bad. And and yep. this is and and yet Apple is like, oh no, put it at the top. Put it at the top. I wouldn't like it at the top if it was good. I would like to choose what goes at the top because up next is most important to me. But if you're gonna do something like that you should stand behind it. And when I talk to people about this this issue, what I found is I think these days a lot of people assume algorithms and personalization are things that are happening 
And one of the dirty secrets of a lot of what Apple does is uh, it isn't. Apple is it's just, just a there, is a, there is a person in an office somewhere with a probably lousy web interface who's putting in content IDs and pressing save, and that's what's on there. And then it's not doing deduping. It's not doing after-the-fact personalization. Oh, they already watched this. I'm not going to show that tile. And this one, they're in episode five, so I'm going to show them the thing for episode five here. No, they're not going to do that either. So it's just, that part of it is a letdown. It is Apple pushing something that's kind of mediocre to lousy on top of the thing that they built that is, again, the best feature of tvOS, which is uh, aggregating everything I'm watching, except for Netflix, in one place. It's just ridiculous. I have no problem with them wanting to do this as a thing, right? Like, if you want to, like, because already, right, for me, if I go to the TV app, there's a, uh, underneath my beloved up next queue, it says what to watch, right? And I'm assuming it's the same thing because there's like a bunch of content in here, some stuff I've seen, some stuff I would never watch. Like, if no algorithm would ever pick some of these shows right. and movies for me because it's like nothing else but I that's watch. Okay. There's somebody in an office at the yeah. Battersea Power Station Apple yeah. offices. <laughs> Who is well, going click? But like this my, week, my, yeah, yeah. My point is, I don't mind that that's there, but it shouldn't be number one in yeah. the like. If they want to make like, yeah. if they want to make a second carousel, which is as large, and put it underneath my up next, fine, right? Fine, I, I can live with that because right. I'm still getting what I want, and you're getting a bit of what you want, and sometimes these things might overlap. But like, don't. If, if, like, the question that I would ask this, the person who's making this decision is, like, point one is, like, do you think that you're doing a good job of up next? Like, do you think that that is a good product made well? Your answer is inevitably going to be yes, right? So if that's mm-hmm. the answer, why are you now making it harder for me to access that, right? And if your answer is no, up next is poor, then, <laughs> one, why is it still there then? And two, yeah. shouldn't you do something else about that? Shouldn't you, shouldn't you make it better? Yeah. And the feature, like featured stuff, and I talk to people who are like, oh, all that stuff is ads. And again, it's that ad allergy thing. It's like, yeah, sort of, but not quite. And, and as the platform owner, what Apple's trying to do, especially since Apple made the decision to sort of make the TV button on the remote by default launch the TV app, which you can change, but it is by default. That's what it is. The by the by the way, when you restore it, when you get a new Apple TV, because I got a new Apple TV last week, um, among the things that it doesn't remember, even if you bring over your settings, is that setting. <laughs> so it goes back to auto launching the TV app, and then you have to go into settings and turn it off. Also, forgets all your logins. It remembers where your apps are. Forgets all your logins, so you have to spend twenty minutes logging into everything. Mm. Not great, Apple. That would be a thing to work on. Uh, iPhone like uh, restore for Apple TV. But, um, but like, it, it's just, it's so frustrating because it is useful, although it could be more useful. And the featured stuff is not dynamic in any way. But I do appreciate the fact that as the platform owner, they are, what I was saying about the button, they are kind of like saying, well, you don't really see the app store when you're in this mode. They, they were like, no, the future of TV is the TV app now. Um, well, how do we float up new stuff on the platform if you don't see the app store unless you go out to the app screen and the answer is we'll put a thing in there from hbo max and we'll put a thing in there from hulu and i think in that apple's actually done a pretty good job of not just pushing apple tv plus stuff right like they are i think doing what is their responsibility for the platform and saying this is not an apple tv plus delivery platform this is an apple tv uh, and tvOS and what makes it great is it's got our stuff and HBO and Netflix and Hulu and all the rest and we're going to show you all of it 
in our interface. And then there's an Apple TV Plus tab for the Apple TV Plus stuff. Now, do they weigh the Apple TV stuff a little heavier? Sure, they do. But there's a like White Lotus, that's an HBO show. And that was at the top. So I think it is, you could call it advertising for the other stuff, but I also think it's kind of a consequence of Apple making the TV app kind of the default and also saying like, look, you may have heard about the White Lotus, but you don't even know what streaming services it's on. Here's a tile for the White Lotus. And if you click on it, it will either take you to HBO Max or it'll take you to the App Store and let you download the HBO Max app and log in and pay for it and whatever. I don't think that's unreasonable. That that part of it doesn't bother me so much. I actually think that it's good that Apple is trying to show us a broader world inside that TV interface on tvOS. It is. Is the TV app doing too many jobs at once? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, we That's another discussion. <laughs> but like, if we focus on just the little things... It's like, it's okay that it's there, but uh, to eclipse my viewing sessions is not okay. This episode is brought to you by Trade Coffee. I love coffee. I love Trade Coffee. <laughs> like I love being able to, like, every morning, wake up, and it's like part of my routine is to drink fantastic coffee every day. Like, if you drink coffee, why wouldn't you want that, right? You should check out Trade Coffee because they make it incredibly easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest roasters in the U.S. direct to you. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service, and it makes it so simple for you to discover new coffee and make your best cup every single day. No fancy equipment required. It's so easy to upgrade your coffee routine with Trade. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send a coffee that they know you're going to love, and it will be sent fresh to you to your home on your preferred schedule. Plus, you get to support small local businesses, which is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or you're new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffee, and they'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make your coffee at home. They really take all of the hassle out of it. They make it so simple for you to discover stuff, and then you can learn, you can reorder from the places that you like. I really love that it's opened me up to a bunch of different roasteries that I'd not heard of before. I remember when I was in San Francisco earlier this year, I ended up walking past one of them. It's called Ritual. I was like, oh, I know those guys. And I went in and got some coffee from there because I already knew I loved it because I'd received some from trade. So whether you're just getting started or you're a coffee aficionado looking to discover something new, Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering listeners of this show a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com upgrade. That's D-R-I-N-K-T-R-A-D-E dot com slash upgrade for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's finish out today with some hashtag ask upgrade questions. <laughs> Ian asks, in the studio tour that you shot with Ian, can you, <laughs> what are the slippers that you were wearing? So there's a couple of things to this. One, oh, yeah. somebody this asked this question to Ian in our Discord, and then Ian mm-hmm. submitted it as an Ask Upgrade question. I see. Right. But my friend Ian came uh, to London. Um, where this was? This was recently, before we went on a trip. It was just before the podcast was on. That's when it was. It was mm. in September. 
and we hung out a bit and Ian shot a, a with me a, a tour of my studio space, so of Mega Studio, which is something I was pretty excited about because it's something I wanted to do for a while, but was I didn't really know how to do it myself, right? It just felt like difficult, but we kind of got to do it crib style. So Ian followed me around nice. and I kind of went through everything. It's 33 minutes long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of those things, I didn't know how long it was going to take him, but I put a link in the show notes. I recommend people watch it if you're interested in kind of like the environment that I work in every day. There's an exhaustive tour of it. But the slippers that I'm wearing in the uh, video are by Mahabis. I think that's how you spell it. And they're called the Curve Slipper. So I... Uh, in in the studio, I don't like to wear my outside shoes. I like to wear different shoes because whatever. This is something we started doing like in the beginning of COVID. It was just like everything. You just don't want to touch anything with anything, right? So I had some right. slippers from Mojave's, like they're kind of regular ones. But something that I noticed is that the the kind of the toe area would, would wear a little bit for me. And I think it's because of the way that I kind of sit on my chair. I kind of kick the ground a lot. I don't know why I do this. It's just it's a thing that I'm doing right now as I'm talking. I can't tell you why I do it. It's just how I am. But but Mahabis, I think maybe this happens to a lot of people because now they make a version of their slipper which has rubber going on the bottom and all the way over the toes. Mahabi's whole thing is like these are slippers you can also wear to walk outside in, right? Like it's kind of like mm. their whole thing that they've always been. I love these things. I love that they have like a back that you can collapse down. It's like elasticated. So you can wear it as like slip on slippers. But then if you do need to walk outside or you can pull up the back and they can be more secure on your feet. So this is this is my number one question for you because I think you're going to sell me a pair of these slippers today. Incredible. Uh, what, Jason, what is it going to take to get you in a pair of these slippers today. Well, what it, what it's going to... Mike, I have a problem. <laughs> Maybe you have a solution for me. <laughs> I, I like to wear slippers, but I hate it when they don't attach to my heel and they the whole back part flops off so that I'm supporting it entirely with my toes. Mm -hmm. I need the back and the heel to remain secure. Yep. Can you help me? Is there a solution yes. for this problem? The solution is exactly this. Oh, so what is it? Is it it's like a little neoprene or something yeah. uh, heel thingy? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it it completely keeps them on like 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 a pair of sneakers honestly, but still feels much more comfortable than a pair of sneakers. Like it doesn't give you ankle support, right? But it keeps right. the shoe on, so they're not going to the slip off. But that's what I want. If you do ever want to just slip them on, you can also do that. And like I do the slip on most of the time, but then uh, pull up the back when I want to. Um, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but why I will also say, Jason, I'd be intrigued. Like I. These slippers, they have a kind of a, a, a ridge at the back anyway, which keep them on okay. for me. But yeah, you can you can pull them up and it's still more comfortable than, say, putting on a pair of sneakers, right? Like it kind of sits between a regular pair of slip-on slippers and a pair of sneakers. Yeah, I really like these. Uh, I've I've been a very... I've, I wished Mahabis would sponsor the show. Uh, so I'm putting that out there into the world. Mahabis, oh, if you're listening, right. please sponsor us. be a special offer. But I've been a very, very happy customer of theirs for like two years, two, three years. All right. Well, I'm going to be real sad if I buy these and then it's a sponsor and they want to send me a pair. But that's okay. Then you I'll have two it. pairs. And yeah. then I'll have two pairs. I'll choose a different color. Um, so my other question for you is the Curve versus the Classic. Now, you mentioned the, the Classic uh, doesn't have kind of the... Uh, the tread goes over the toe in the Curve and not yeah. in the Classic. Is that the only real difference there? As far as I can tell, yeah. I, I mean, I recommend the Curve okay. over the Classic. I'll just have to choose color then. Because otherwise, they're basically the same. 
Um, but the yeah, they also do like they have ones that are they like like they breathe right because they're kind of like wool. They're like wool on the outside. Yeah, and they have ones that are like a mesh. Like the body is like a mesh, which I guess are more of a summer slipper. Um, mm. And they do full if you that. care. If, no, I know this isn't for you, Jason, but for other yes, people, thank you. they do full like other people. Uh, slip-ons, right? But they don't have any back at all. Oh, mm. Because even the regular one, as I say, it has a kind of back to it. So it like it it, it holds. Um, big fan of the Marvy slippers. All right. Eric I, asks. I'm not <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Okay. Oh, here, here, this right. is me growing as a person. We're, all right. we're gonna okay. all witness okay. it together. Mm-hmm. I am not gonna go buy these because it's November seventh, and instead uh, I am sending a text. Good idea. To my wife. Yep. Uh, I want these slippers. Uh huh. And also because it's also November seventh, maybe in three weeks they might be on sale, right? Maybe for Black Friday. But yeah, this is a good like. Uh, yes, this is a good Christmas gift for okay. Jason. I have sent. Uh, that text to my wife. So see, that's me growing because the problem is we get into this part of the year and then I, I I'm like, oh, I'm gonna buy that, and then it and then it comes in. I'm like, oh no, that should have been a Christmas present gift mm-hmm. item list. And let's just be clear. Like if she doesn't get it for me, that's fine. I'll just yeah. buy it afterward. Then but you buy it yourself, yeah. But we're looking for presents to give each other, and so I'm I'm growing. Okay, thank you to Ian and whoever told Ian this thing that Ian <laughs> submitted, and to you, Mike, for wearing slippers in your office. Thank you. Eric asks, do you think live activities will come to the Apple Watch? Interesting idea. Um, I still want to talk about live activities on the show, by the way, but I'm still like not as many apps have updated for me as I thought would. So, so I traveled this weekend and I got to use Flighty with live activities. I'm excited for as that. I was taking my flights and it was really good. Yeah. Like it was really, really good. Yeah. And it made me think this is this is it. Live activities is a is really a thing. Uh, Apple Watch. Uh, where's the space for it? Um, but I'm, I could see... I'm reminded of the Siri Watch face, right? So the Siri uh-huh. Watch yeah. face see? used to have those little tiles. So you know you could maybe have a special kind of like always on display but i had a thought jason of adaptive complications mm-hmm. right so like uh, maybe like a version of a live activity where it's just a complication that is updating more visually than they do right. currently maybe maybe so like that it it is yeah that it's updating it gets the ability to update more aggressively mm-hmm. in certain certain scenarios or there's just like that one large complication space that might be able to be overridden by a live activity for example right that most of the time it's just whatever you put there but you have the option to put a live activity there if something is happening that'd be interesting it's an interesting idea but yeah i i would like to see them on all the platforms because i think live activities are great like i only have a couple of apps that i use frequently that that have them uh and I think a lot of them is like, maybe I just don't know yet. I just haven't gotten into a situation where the live activity will do its thing. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to use Flighty's one when uh, I'm going on a trip later on this month. So I'll be mm-hmm. using that for the first time. But it looks really good. Yeah. I did a it test. Was, it was fun. Like the app lets you test it, which is kind of cool. You right. can just like get a random flight and like you can just yeah. test it out. But like I want to I wanna help myself. It was just so great to pull 
my iPhone out of my pocket and have like that live activity sitting there with all the details of what was our what's our uh, our gate number mm-hmm. and how much time is it until boarding and like all of those things were on there. It was really convenient. I liked it a lot, and it looks great too. Having used them a little bit, and like there's an app called City Mapper, which is like a transit app that right. is in London that I love, mm-hmm. and their live activity is unbelievably good. Right, like you can. Look, I can look at my phone and I can like watch a little dot moving in like almost real time. It feels like across like a like a train map, right? Like these are all the stops. But like using these kinds of live activities where like some of them are quite rich and detailed, it really has confirmed to me the idea, I think, of why Apple designed the always on to be the way that it is. Like they want it to be rich with information, visuals, and color to benefit the fact that the live activities that they're doing their thing. I I can see more now what we thought might be the case of why it's not just white text on a black background because the phone should, in theory, be doing stuff more often. So I'm still a fan of the Always On. I think it looks good. Yeah. Brantz asks, do you tend to prefer taking ultra-wide or telephoto shots with your iPhone? Do you have a preference? Mm, I have been, so I've been using the the 14 Pro, mm-hmm. and I was traveling this weekend, and I took a bunch of photos. I am using the 2X a lot, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the cropped, center-cropped 12 megapixel of the regular camera. And I... So I don't know if that answers the question of ultra wide or telephoto. <laughs> uh, I uh, I like that a lot in terms of cropping. I, I think and the quality is really good. I have taken some zoom shots recently that I was very impressed with the quality. Like that that I could get out of there. Whether it's the the sensor or the image pipeline or whatever. I did some zoom ins to sort of like see if I could see, it was actually at a football game and it was like, can I see what they're doing over there? There's people, a whole bunch of people with the same color shirt sitting somewhere. Like, is there a logo? Who are they? Why are they there? And I zoomed way in and I was, I was like, wow, that actually looks decent. Not great, but like decent. Uh, And I can see, you know, their shirts and what logo is on it. So that was really interesting. I don't use the ultra wide that much only because there is so much lens distortion. But if I'm in a, you know, beautiful outdoor setting or something like that, the ultra wide can be great. What about you? This, I mean, for me, it is the kind of the question of what is the image. So telephoto, I tend to use these days more for like a specific utility reason, like you just described, right? Like I want to take a picture of something, but I just want to zoom in on it for so I can see something clearer or whatever it might be. Rather than it being like, a stylistic preference because stylistically or like just sometimes to get a better photo i find myself using the ultra wide more and more like these days i feel like you know i can get more like re- actually get more into an image if i use the ultra wide and the fact that now that ultra wide camera has gotten so much better I can take photos of it indoors in restaurants that kind of stuff more than I ever would have mm. been able to and get a good result because up until this phone I feel like I was never getting a good enough quality result and one of the reasons Apple had to do this and like make that lens better is for a feature that kind of annoys me which is how often now the iPhone will switch to the macro mode right so it uses the ultra wide 
because the focal length of the main camera is further now. So if you want to be close to something and be able to focus on it, it typically has to switch to the ultra wide now, even if you're not really close to it, because the main lens can only actually focus. I don't know what the exact distance is, but it's not really important. But you'll notice if you have the 14 Pro, uh, it, you'll find that it is doing that switch you know when you've got the little macro or maybe you don't even see it you can toggle it as a preference it makes that switch way more often because of the focal length uh, the distance so i find it a little bit annoying even though the picture quality is still good like the shots are good but i don't know why but it just bugs me that it's having to make that switch every time um but yeah anyway i tend to find myself gravitating these days towards the ultra wide more and more um, but the telephoto is still fantastic but it tends to be like the stuff that i enjoy taking photos of i take photos for fun rather than like for a reason i'm using the ultra more than uh than the telephoto for that if you would like to send in a question of your own for us to answer on the show just send out a tweet with the hashtag ask upgrade or use question mark ask upgrade in the relay fm members discord thank you so much if you sign up for upgrade plus you get access to the discord and all of the other wonderful uh, benefits of being uh, a member, go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up. Thanks to Trade Coffee, Capital One, and Hover for their support of this week's episode. And of course, thank you for listening. We genuinely really appreciate that you choose to spend some time with us every single week. If you want to catch up with Jason in the meantime, go to sixcolors.com. Uh, he is at J Snell, J S N E L L, and he hosts many shows here on Relay FM and on The Incomparable as well. So if you want more Jason in your life, there are places where you can go to get it. Uh, I am at iMike, I M Y K E, and I also host a bunch of shows here at Relay FM. Just go to relay.fm slash shows and pick a new show. We don't have to be on it. There's tons of great hosts, tons of great content. Go enjoy yourself. We'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. They're all special offers, Mike. <laughs> <laughs>